Hey, you've made it to Sprayspace, where people managing social media accounts come for community. This year, our focus is social media for good. Together, we can work to make social media a landscape for healthy online communities to grow. Sound good? Then come along with us on the Sprayspace podcast, where we share what we know, learn what we don't, and strive to make social media better for us all. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spry Space Podcast. I'm Lacey, and today we've got a wonderful, wonderful guest I'm so excited for. Today we have Diana Avalos Leos with us. Let me tell you a little bit about Diana. So Diana is a COVID-19 care coordinator for Washington State Department of Health. She's also the founder of the Clark County Latino Youth Conference, and she was also named Clark County's first citizen for 2021. Diana, can you explain real quick, what does it mean to be Clark County's first citizen? That's a great question to to start off the conversation. And I will say I have two dogs at my feet who follow me all day long. So I'm sorry if you probably hear them. Okay. What are their names so we can invite them on the podcast too? So we have Miko, who is, he's like four months old. And then we have Guy. He's our, he's our senior citizen. He Aww. is now... 14 years old. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, I'm honored to have them here too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, so to go back to your to your question, so what does it mean to be Clark County for citizen? You know, um, it was it was last year in in 2020 when I was surprised with the honor of being named Clark County for citizen. I I didn't know like what is going on you know, you know we've all seen those commercials with the publish, publishers clearing house where they come up to the door with the balloons and the big check and people open the door and that whole yes oh, yes that's exactly what happened to me wow so i was at i was at work you know this was before the pandemic before we all had to go um work from home the um, board of directors from the community foundation, they walk into the office and they're like, is Diana here? And my my kind of little office space was like around the corner from the from the foyer. And I'm like, oh, I wonder, who, I thought to myself, I wonder who's here to look, you know, I wonder who's here. I look around the corner and I see Jennifer Rose, the executive director of the community foundation for, uh, for Southwest Washington and several of her board of trustee members there in the foyer and they're like, we just stopped by to congratulate you and let you know that you've been um, named Clark County first citizen. I, I was in <laughs> shock. I, I have no words to say, which for me is very unlikely. I always have something to say, you know, mm -hmm. um, I, I, I was lost for words. And, and I was like, what, what's going on? Wait, what? It took about two hours for it to really sink in. Like, mm -hmm. what, what does this mean? And, you know, knowing that I was the youngest and the first person of color uh, selected as Clark County First Citizen, I was like, oh, wow. That's when it really sunk in. I, I don't know about past recipients. I know for past recipients, it's, it's, it's quite an honor. And certainly it is an honor for me. But I think it's I think it kind of leveled up with being the youngest and and being the first person of color in um in this position and so i hold it with the most highest um um honor um and responsibility yeah um and um with these w with these types of recognitions there is an enormous amount of responsibility comes with it and so i know that people uh watch and people listen Mm -hmm. And people are really eagerly ready to support you, but also people are also 
really at, uh, at the moment to pounce on, to um, criticize and and bring down whatever you're, you're working on. And so being um, named Clark County First Citizen, I recognize there is not only a responsibility, but a balance wow. that comes with that. Mm-hmm. It's how do you straddle worlds, meaning a professional, personal, dominant culture, um, so-called dominant culture, um, and and being a Latina and being a mother and being a grandmother and being all these labels that we are, right? Mm-hmm. Being a woman and and ha- and realizing there's a balance to that. And so uh, for me, um, being named Clark County First Citizen is all of that. And then it is to help the next generation of leaders who are already growing in this community to walk along with them and be that support for them and being that mentor and guiding them through whatever it is they want to achieve in in life, but always walking hand in hand with them, uh, making sure that they are also um, in a position where I can help them perpetuate to the next level of success and whatever that is here in this community. So that's what it means to me. Okay, that's perfect. I, I'm so glad I asked because I didn't know that story about them coming and surprising you. That's so great. <laughs> Very few people know that story. <laughs> um, before we get into the meat, because you've prepped it pretty well here, I want to ask you, um, my favorite first question for anybody who comes in is, if there's any piece of social media content throughout the last week that has brought you joy, we're so focused here on the idea of social media for good, meaning that, you know, Social media is a tool for us to be able to use to find joy, support, community. Um, And so what what piece of content have you seen in the last week or so that brought you joy? As um, a lot of folks know that I adore and cherish um, any time I can spend with my grandkids. And so 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 stories about um, seeing stories on social media, um, family stories with kids, grandkids really um, tug at my heart and bring me joy. So this past week, I saw one of my very dear dear friends um, who um, set the path um, for advocacy in this community many years before I came to this community. She's now retired and I love her words of wisdom. And uh, she had posted on on social media, on Facebook, uh, she was teaching her, I think she's about three or maybe four-year-old granddaughter, how to make homemade tortillas. Mm-hmm. You know, um, getting the masa um, in the bowl and kneading it and then rolling it up. And what we call in Spanish bolitas, little round dope um, flour balls. Okay. And teaching her how to press it by hand. And, you know, to me, that, that resonated so deeply. It touched my heart because it, creating lifetime memories, teaching the next generation a lost art. Mm. And also um, showing the world that we can use social media for the greater good to spread the love that we have for family and our connections and the importance of being connected. Also, her little granddaughter will forever have that image because they will forever live on social media of her and her grandma making homemade tortillas. So that brought a lot of joy to me. I was like, oh my gosh, yes, I love this. Oh, that's so good. I love it for family too. It's, you know, sometimes when we get so caught up in the toxicity of what might be happening happening culturally, we lose for a moment the focus on family that we can have with social media and how sharing that can really resonate with and connect with people anywhere. You know, just by sharing something sweet that you're doing with your family, it can really cause a ripple of joy and positivity throughout other people's lives. And that's just wonderful. Yeah. So that was that was 
That was a super cute post that I really enjoyed this week. So you talked, when we were talking about um, First Citizen, you talked about, you know, another priority that you have of bringing up the next generation of leaders. So why don't you tell me about the Clark County Latino Youth Conference? And, and you founded and are the president of it. So tell me a little bit about the mission of the Clark County Latino Youth Conference. So I, I'm going to start by telling... Um, the why. Why did why did I start this organization? So it was back in 2008, um, during the time that we were all going through a recession. People were losing houses. There was a there was monumental budget cuts left and right across of the board in terms of schools and in the city and the county. I was at that time working for a, a K-12 system and working, I've always worked with the Latinx community in one way or the other. I started to see because of the recession and budget cuts that some of the most um, at need um, students needed to access resources um, beyond high school. It started um, very grassroots. There was a handful of people that Diana Perez, which is a, a dear friend and a colleague of mine who has done a lot of advocacy work here in, in, in Southwest and throughout the state, um, at that time, City Council Member Jack Berkman. We had at that time um, Chris Sutter um, with Vancouver Police Department, who was the Assistant Chief. A few others that I can't remember right now, but we are like, no, let's let's figure out a way to bring some resources into our students of color here in Clark County. We don't know what this is going to look like. We held our first uh, annual leadership conference. Now. The leadership conference is no different than many other leadership conferences that maybe many people, many young people have experienced in their lifetime. We were um, we partnered with Clark College at that time, and and at that we had about fifty kids who showed up. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the mission basically is to engage, to motivate high school um, students of color to pursue a post secondary education or a tech career tech pathway. Over the years, it grew um, to where um, our reach went into uh, Portland and the Salem area, and we had high school students coming from, from those regions. Before the pandemic in 2019, um, we grew so much that we moved the, the event to the Washington State University Vancouver campus. And we had close to 400 students um, from all over the Southwest Washington region um, in as far north as, as Kelso Longview. Wow. So so that's, that's the organization. Um, and over the years, we've added programs, um, mentoring programs, after school, summer programs. Um, we've partnered with um, a muralist, Rodolfo Serna from Portland. Um, we partnered with the Port of Portland to engage um, youth in um, careers, uh, not only airport careers, but law enforcement careers. We partnered with Vancouver Police Department, Clark County Sheriff's Department. I mean, I could just go on and on and on <laughs> with, with all the partners that came together to provide students of color access to careers that they've never would have seen themselves in. And then uh, I entered into a partnership, friendship first, and then partnership with uh, Dr. Catherine Rodella. Um, she is a professor um, at Washington State University of Vancouver for, um, in the Department of Educational Leadership. With her leadership, we um, developed the Southwest Washington Latino Parent Leadership Institute. 
Wow. So rewarding. Such rewarding work. Yes. Yes. And then, of course, COVID hit. And that's a whole nother story. (laughs) (laughs) That's like the first line of everyone's chapter of 2020. (laughs) Yes. Sadly. I mean, I mean, sadly, for many reasons, but also, you know, I'm a very optimistic person and always try to look at what, what, what were the what were the wins? What were the things that were positive that came out of COVID? And there certainly were some. Not that I'm a Pollyanna by no means, but I, I always like to focus on, okay, so what what are the lessons learned? How did we become better and stronger? How did we grow? How do we develop our resiliency, right? How did we adapt? Um, and looking at those things are also um, looking at looking at these things through that lens I think is that also definitely for me has been an area of growth. Well, I mean, that optimism and reflection that you have is is so strong and so easy to see. Um, I've been grateful to be able to have the opportunity to work together on a couple of projects with you and just being around you is inspiring. Um, so let's talk about your your character attributes for a second. I mean, you are the the youngest. I, I read about the first citizen of Clark County. And what I saw is that most of the time, it's retired business men who are giving monetarily, you know, and, and you're a totally different kind of first citizen. You know, you have built such strong power and influence in the community. And I want to know from your perspective, what have you what what do you think you've either done or what is it about you that has allowed you to gain such power and influence in the community? <laughs> I never see myself as powerful or influential. <laughs> I just find that so bizarre. Really? <laughs> yeah, I really do. Like I'm going to start off by sharing just a little bit about who I was as a kid. Okay. I was born in this country. I am third generation. Grew up in a household where um I was very blessed and privileged that my mom was a stay-at-home mom. My mom only spoke Spanish at home. My father was um, 100% bilingual, fluent, both languages. Um, And we were always, we always practiced speaking Spanish at home. So when I entered the K-12 system, I had to learn English. Mm. Um, And so I probably didn't speak my first words of English till I'm about the first grade. Okay. And one of the things I recited perfectly was the Pledge of Allegiance. Uh-huh. That was, I think, one of the first things I learned how to say in English. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, I always lacked confidence because as a second language learner, I knew and experienced um, the fear of speaking English mm. and making mistakes and always shy and quiet um, to speak. I didn't find my voice until I was in 10th grade. Mm -hmm. And it was a, an English teacher, the irony here. Okay. An English teacher. (laughs) I went to summer school, not because I needed to go because I wanted to go. We, we read Charles Dickens. Now there's another irony right there. Yes. A second language learner, a Latina reading Charles Dickens in the summertime in K-12 in LA Unified School District. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was reading Charles Dickens and and that and that support from that English um, language arts teacher that I found my voice. Wow. When I found my voice, I started to uh, I think it, it really opened my eyes to. So what is what is advocacy and what is social justice? But back then in the early 80s, 
those words really weren't part of mainstream vocabulary or mainstream right. content, right? And then so over the years, um, and so that's one piece. The other piece that influenced that were my parents. My, my mom was um, a newly arrived immigrant to this country. My father had dual citizenship, right? So we were not the, we, we were very, uh, kind of a very different kind of immigrant family. Um, and my father was uh, a self-made businessman. And he always um, looked for raw talent to bring in and provide a internship opportunity. Mm. And he never said anything. He never said, hey, this is how you do it. This is what you're supposed to be. He just modeled that behavior. My mom, because she was a stay-at-home mom, always found time to volunteer somewhere, somehow. She never said, hey, you need to do this. This is how you volunteer. It was just modeled. So between these two things, these two worlds that I had, really, I, I believe, really shaped and influenced where I am and who I am today. So to get to your question, is over the years, I always held those two things close to my heart. And I always, when I worked and provided resources and support to a, a student, I remember because of my lived experience as a second language learner, I always saw myself in their shoes. Um, I always saw myself um, when, I, when I was working with a, a family unit, always saw myself, my own family in that. And always uh, honoring your word, following through, trust. You know, there's a quote, I, I can't remember, one of those great leadership books that says, you, you, we move at the speed of trust. Mm, wow, that's insightful. Right? Yeah. And I never knew that. I mean, I only learned that maybe five, five six years ago. We move at the speed of trust. Oh, yeah, that's so true. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are times that um, if I don't have the answer, I find the answer for someone or I connect people. But always, I've always have um, honored my word with people. And I think honoring my word, following through, have equal trust with community. And, and, I, and so all of those ingredients have come together, I think, to have helped um, with that. As people say, you have power and influence. And, and, and it's, it's, been a, it's been a lifetime journey that uh, I was able to throw all these ingredients and not intentionally, it just happened. It's like when you, when you create a pot of stew with no recipe, you just kind of put a sprinkle of this and this and that and you see what comes out. Keep tasting it along the way. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting, isn't it? Those those of us who have had to work so hard to find our voice, you know, once it's ours, you nobody's taking that away from you for anything. Is that right? Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I want to to shift the focus to social media for a minute and talk about the um, campaigns and initiative that you've been working on with Clark County Latino Youth Conference throughout the last year. So so let's talk about about that. You know, can you tell me a little bit about the campaigns that you've been running and what kind of goals you've been trying to accomplish, um, which is is the main reason that I thought, you know, this month we're focusing on women using social media to organize for good. And you've done an amazing job bringing together uh, a team of people to to work towards a very important initiative. So let's talk about it a little bit. Okay. Um, so it was... You know, we're 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 uh, we're all reaching that one year anniversary of when we all heard the word COVID, yep, coronavirus, 
And uh, at that time, we were we were watching the news about the stories over in Europe. We we're all kind of like, is it going to be here? And we were not. We were all like, nah, we're good. Mm-hmm. And then um, that week, uh, that week that's soon approaching. I think it's next week. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. The fifteenth or so. Mm-hmm. Yes, next week when we hit this one year anniversary mark, we didn't pause. We kind of put the brakes. Yeah. Um, because at that time we were running a 2020 census, every shade counts campaign, mm-hmm. and we had young people, high school and college age young adults out in the community, um, in um, helping to um, educate our community, our communities of color, the importance of. Uh, participating in the 2020 census and and as to the whys and we had to immediately um, put the brakes on everything and pull people off of and out of community friend of a common friend of ours and colleague Delina Meyer um, um, we just started working with her and she goes what what are your thoughts what do we need to do Um, and we we had a several hours of conversations of like what is the role of the Clark County Latino Youth Conference in the community? How are you going to keep engaging with community? What, what are the what are the um, strategies to continue to inform and protect community and keep them engaged? And so many hours of conversation. And as we started to see COVID become very uh, uh, obvious in our community, the the COVID nineteen rapid response messaging campaign. It developed. It came out of those conversations, and then it, and then we implemented that that strategy. Um, and so from that COVID nineteen um, rapid response messaging campaign, um, we worked um, and collaborated with uh, the same partners that we had for the twenty twenty census campaign, which is. Um, the League of United Latin American Citizens, LULAC, um, the Latino Community Resource Group, and the NAACP. Um, we, we, all, what we did is we pivot our focus from 2020 Census, Every Shade um, Counts campaign, to COVID messaging, and we went into action. And we literally turned the plane around, landed the plane on the so-called tarmac, <laughs> and uh, Made sure that all the wheels and nuts and bolts and wings were ready to go for COVID-19. And looking back um, a year ago, I'm, um, we did a phenomenal job in working together as uh, BIPOC organizations um, to uh, mitigate the harms of COVID-19 in our communities of color. Uh, because historically, um, our communities of color have limited access to resources. There's also the issue of language. Um, there's also the issue of historical mistrust. Mm. If we're moving at the speed of trust, the information's got to come from somewhere that you trust. Wow. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so commu- um, other organizations started to look at our work, you know, public health, uh, other community service organizations, um, and uh, started looking um, at us and wanted to partner with us to get information out into community and inform community um, about COVID and, you know, what, what it's, how to, how to be safe and what are healthy behaviors, offering uh, offering suggestions of how to um, do remote learning. So all of those things, um, you know, 
we did over the course of this past year. And, you know, because we're still in COVID, we are now in the phase of folks wanting to uh, seek out to be vaccinated. Now our efforts are shifting to um, how to help people navigate the complex system of registering for vaccination appointments. There have been so many phases of this. Just you talking about, you know, thinking about the mask mandates, thinking about um Latinx owned businesses who had to, you know, understand exactly what regulations were and be able to flex to comply with those. And, you know, going through the holidays without being able to be next to family. And now to the vaccine, you know, having information coming out from an organization within your community led by Clark County's first citizen, if you will. Um, you know, what better way that you've found to be able to spread information through the community of people who you are responsible for um, or have taken a responsibility for, if you will. Um, I also I love what you talked about earlier, where you talked about the balance and but at being first citizen in using your voice and the responsibility to use your voice. And I was trying to think of what was on the other end of that balance. And I wondered if perhaps it was accountability, you know, responsibility and accountability. If you've got the responsibility to use your voice and use the facilities that you have to, to inform and engage, you also end up being accountable for whatever it is that you choose to say. Um, and from the outside, I feel like all the efforts that you have put in have have sincerely blessed the communities that you've been trying to impact. And I've been grateful just to be a part of it, really. Oh, thank you so much for that. Yeah, there's that accountability piece is internally for the organization and also externally for community. And then accountability for myself in terms of that balance. It's it's tough. I, I'm not going to lie. It has been really hard. I'll start with balance because I find myself now working more in this remote space than mm. ever before in my lifetime. Interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I am working 70 hours a week, you know, going from one thing to another and being pulled in so many different directions where I am finally got to the place in my, in, in my, in my space right now where I'm going, I, I'm sorry, I don't have capacity anymore. Yeah. And then I've, I've also, my husband has been incredibly supportive. He now understands that I have to work on Saturdays, you know, uh, whether it's just pushing paper here in my home office or being on a Zoom call. But certainly on Sundays, I just shut it all down. Yeah. I'm not even, I don't even really check social media. Um, and any any opportunity or window of time that I can find to spend with my my grandchildren, I do. Um, but, and then there's that accountability side of things what I was just talking about internally and externally, right? Um, um, externally, making sure that the information that um, the organization is, is sharing and the partnerships um, that we enter um, with are, are credible, are respectful, um, and are not hurting community. Mm. Because who we partner with is also a reflection of our values. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. right. Um, and there have been um, organizations um, over in the past that have been wanting to partner with us that I've had to um, say, no, we can't. Your values are not the same as ours. Mm. Um, and so uh, we all have swim lanes 
And I say there's a lot of work in community that we can all be that that um, we we want to protect our organization and our values and our North Star, but we can enter a partnership with you, but we understand your work is also important. And then there's the accountability piece of partnering with the right um, individuals like such as yourself and, and Delena Meyer, our uh, program and, and assistant, you know, Rose Mendoza and Hilda, who is the interpreter, tra- uh, you know, and Jean Ann and all of these phenomenal women that, you know, that have come, that we've come together um, to do this work, right? Um, we all have very similar uh, values and level of work ethic. Um, and we all run this really well-oiled, well-oiled plane. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you tried swim lanes earlier. I was like, what's it? What's the airplane lane called? You know, can we keep it? <laughs> the <tarmacs>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? And and then and then there's that internal accountability, you know, making sure that we are doing our due diligence in terms of like folks are taken care of, that we are we're going after grants that align with our values and uh, our mission and values. Um, we are working with community um, to make sure that their needs are being met. So there's just so many different pieces um, that come with also the accountability side of this work. And I think sometimes when we hold ourselves to such high accountability, we also do that towards others. And, um, you know, I watched I watched throughout the summer, too, because don't forget that we've had this huge influx of of awareness of social injustice with BIPOC. And, you know, we we went through some very intense social media activity throughout the summer around race and equality. And, you know, I watched you multiple times use your power and your voice because you had to um, to be a voice for BIPOC during this time. So how was that for you, you know, from your personal size side, using social media to, <laughs> to, to really talk about race during this time? It got ugly. Yeah. It, it, it was, uh, I used my voice, um, to address, um, the hate, the injustice, the racism, the discrimination. I mean, all of those isms, right? And I used it on social media and pissed off a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Honestly, don't care. Still don't <laughs> care that they're mad. Mm-hmm. Lost a lot of family members because mm. of it. And friends that I've, mm. so-called friends that I've known for 20 some years. I'm okay with that. I I, I don't sleep over that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have all have heard and seen that one of the one of the things that one of the positive things that came out of this is that we know who you are now. We know what your colors are. Mm. There were times where I I had to kind of step back in a way for a little bit because it did impact my mental health. Yeah. Um, I found myself not mad. I found myself pissed. Mm, beyond mad. Beyond mad beyond mad. I was, I was so angry because I, my, I have children and you know, my kids mm-hmm. I went to school with them. My, my oldest daughter, she is, um, half African-American. Um, so, so two of my grandchildren are, uh, you know, a quarter, 
Um, and, and then I have other grandchildren who are on the other side in terms of ethnicity, um, you know, Finn, German, Latino. Um, so in my family, we have all of the, all of the colors, <laughs> right? <laughs> we also, I also have and embrace my family members who, you know, are, who are, um, uh, gay. Um, and so for me to use my voice to address all of the hate and the, and, and the discrimination and race, I have to, because it's my family and it's yeah. people that I love and I care about. Yeah. I, I am, I hate to say this, but I'm going to say this. One of the best things of this whole social justice movement or injustice movement was we got to, we know now who you are mm. and I know how to deal with you, right so um and then it created a whole movement for people to find their voice and then on top of that what I still find exhausting is that people still don't get it. Mm, mm -hmm. Better yet, people choose not to get it. Even though they've got access, if they try, to any sort of information. And then there are segments of community who think that because of their position, mm. because of their color of their skin, because of their gender, they know the answer and they're going to save us. Y'all need to pause for a minute because if that was the case, then where were you before? Exhausting. I, it, it just sucks the life out of me. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. And I, I just don't have at times bandwidth, but I know that I have a voice. At times I find it where I have to just pause for a moment and say, okay, let, let me walk with you and help you why you are not um, the right person for this work. Mm. That takes patience. A lot of patience. Mm -hmm. Doing it in a way where it's, it doesn't hurt someone and then doing it in a way where um, help them see that uh, your, your position, your influence, where you, your, where you sit in society, let's use that differently and how you can use that differently. Mm -hmm. We forget sometimes how much more we can gain when we're working for people outside ourselves and not just our own our own desires. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. So as we're getting close to the end here, um, you know, many of us who are listeners of this podcast are communications professionals, um, either working in the social media field or other um, PR, um, other communications fields. And a lot of us want to be doing good, but maybe we have lots of bosses with lots of initiatives that we're trying to accomplish. So for those of us trying to use social media as a tool for good, what kind of advice do you have for us to be able to, you know, keep pushing our North Star towards using social media as a tool for good? I think um, one of the things that made and continues to make the work that we're doing um, under the Clark County Latino Youth um, Conference and the COVID and um, addressing the social injustices of this past year was having that connection into community. Mm. Leaning in and learning. Leaning in and learning, I always say. Lean and learn um, <laughs> into community because uh, sometimes when we're at this 10,000 foot level, we only see at the 10,000 foot level, we see through our lens this very tiny speck of what we're trying to accomplish. Yes. When we lean and learn into community, we're going to be in a space where 
People are going to share their lived experiences on whatever subject that may be. Mm. And empowering community voice as well to help shape good for social media. Too many times that piece um, of lean and learn and sharing community voice um, is missed in the broader mm-hmm. sense of communicating the greater good on social media. It's the same problem that you're talking about earlier of, you know, um, are we just saying what we think that we can do to save, you know, or are we listening to the people who are serving and empowering them with voice, you know, saying and putting something on others as opposed to empowering and lifting and sharing the voice of the community you serve. Mm. I like that, Diana. Thank you. (laughs) And that's hard to do because you have to walk in a space of humility. Um, You have to walk in a space of being uh, uh, flexible and nimble. And I understand there are uh, guardrails, right, in terms of... um, you know, communications and marketing. I understand that. Like I said, humility, humbleness, flexibility, and nimbleness. And being your authentic self when you lean in and listen. Too many times, I, I, now that I've worked with you and, and worked with, you know, on this campaign with, with the other gals on the team, I've learned so much about communication and marketing and how we have leveraged um, the the trust and the respect of not only the Clark County Latino Youth Organization, but LULAC and Latino Community Resource Group and the NAACP to help shape informed communication. Yes. I've learned so much that now that anytime I have a flyer or I see social media or someone wants to engage in creating messaging, I mean, like, mm, did you all check with community because that doesn't seem to be resonating <laughs> or, or this graphic here? Mm, no, I, I don't think we'll, we'll, we'll serve well. Mm, we'll serve well. That's a great way to ask. Is this going to serve well? Not, is this going to convert? Is this going to, how is this going to serve? Mm. Yeah. I love it. So I have also learned a great deal this year also Uh, I have grown so much, not only uh, personally, but professionally as well. Um, And, you know, I said earlier, what what have been the the wins of COVID? Um, For me, it has been I have learned professionally and personally um, and also um, have the opportunity to work with an amazing team of folks like yourself and and Delena and Jinan and Rosa and Hilda and the and the hundreds of partners that we have brought on um, the uh, over the year um, to inform um, and and serve community um, in our region and actually the impact that we've had across the state. Well, next time you've got to explain that you've got to work on Saturday. You just say, "Listen, honey, I went to summer school by choice as a youth. <laughs> this is my summer school." <laughs> because that's what you're doing. You're just learning and leaning and serving. And I'm, I'm just, I'm so happy. I'm so happy to be able to talk to you today about it. Thank you so much. And thank you for the invite. I was uh, honestly, this is my first, first podcast. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to (laughs) say. 
<laughs> I, was, I was a little nervous. So thank you for making it so comfortable and so easy. You're welcome. And the invitation to participate. Well, my last question always has to do a little bit with our own um, with our own social media use. You know, it's so important that we're mindful of the type of content that we're putting out into social media, but it's also very important the type of content we're taking in and, and the relationship that we're building personally with social media. So, so how how are you in social media doing? How's your relationship going? <laughs> Uh, because I have uh, no bandwidth right now. Right? <laughs> I'll throw on an occasional, you know, uh, um, picture or video of, of myself and my granddaughters or a home project. Um, but other than that, I am just, um, you know, with the many hats that I wear, um, working at the State Department of Health, um, you know, um, help with the advocacy work that we're doing in this community. And you know, still helping to mentor young adults and providing them with opportunities of opportunities in the community. I I, I don't have any bandwidth really to be spending on social media. <laughs> so right now, my relationship with social media and I we're we're okay, we're good. <laughs> I saw that roller skating video of you and your granddaughter the other day, though. On TikTok, mind you, you got a TikTok account, young lady. <laughs> yes. Hey, I'm, I grew up in the 80s in Southern California. I grew up on roller skates. Okay. So, so when my, when my Vivian, my uh, five-year-old granddaughter, um, she goes, grandma, I got roller skates. I go, grandma has roller skates too. And she was like, what? <laughs> like shocked. She like, and so um, my, my daughter's home um, is very spacious that we can ro indoor roller skate. So. Yeah, I roller skate with my five-year-old granddaughter now. And you edit your own TikTok video too? Uh-huh. Oh, look at you. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Very dangerous. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all the time that I'll take from you today. I'm so grateful. Um, and if anybody wants to talk more about this, we will be talking about it in our Spryspace Facebook group. So um, I hope to hear everybody's feedback and just how impressed you are with Diana. Uh, that's what I want. That's the comments I want on this content. But thank you so much, Diana. And thank you to those of you coming in to listen. And we will talk to you soon. As always, keep learning. Bye. Bye.